ahead. Have a seat. How's everybody doing? Woo! Thank you, guys. That was, that was amazing. Well, uh, I, I, let me ask a couple questions here before we get too into this. Um, first of all, how many folks that are here right now were not here last week? You were, n- wow. Okay, thank you for uh, jumping in, and I'm going to try to do a, a very quick recap for those of you who were here and came back. Thank you. That's awesome, too. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I want to talk just a little bit. Uh, I got a lot of emails uh, last week. Most, uh, um, I mean, honestly, some questions and some that were just... Uh, Way to go, Mark. You know, let's, let's go. We want to run hard. Um, and then there were just some questions. And I think it's kind of fun to be able to, um, you know, explain a little bit. And so for those of you who weren't here last week, let me do a quick review. Basically, if you were to sum up the week last week, I did this. I, I basically, um, it was a challenge week to Newbridge. Uh, We are beginning this campaign, and it actually starts this week. Now, some of you thought, well, wait, it started last week. No, no, no. It starts now. That was a warm-up week. That was a challenge week. And what I did last week was, and some of you are going, oh, my gosh, if that, okay. But but if what I did was I said, look, figure out in your walk with God where you are right now. And we all get into these places that I just call, and I think we'll understand, they're just called comfort zones. And in this season of life here, as we're entering into something that I believe is going to be very powerful, it's going to be very convicting, but also very powerful, make a decision right now to take the next step out of your comfort zone. Take the next step. Take responsibility for your walk with God, and just say, Lord, look, I am going to do, I'm, I'm going to progress. I want to move forward and I'm going to take some steps. And so what I did is I, I kind of clicked into a mode that I get in every once in a while. And it's just a linear kind of thinking pattern. And so what I did last week, I, I said, okay, let's take this challenge. And I kind of laid it out and said, if you're here, go here. And if you're here, go here. And I gave you some action steps. And the first one was, uh, very quickly, was to prioritize church. And I've never said that in 13 years of being here at Newbridge. We've never, ever said that. We don't keep attendance, and we're not going to start doing that. But in these next few weeks, because they build on each other like steps, it's very, very important that you build your your understanding of God's word and what he's saying. Because some of this stuff, even after the service, last service, I had people coming just going, I really never have heard this spoken of this way before. And so... These things are going to build on themselves. And so where maybe you kind of just get to church, and I know this is a little uncomfortable right now, and I'm not trying to be weird about it, but sometimes, you know, you just kind of get to church when you can, and I just, let's ramp that up, church. Let's ramp it up and say for the next six weeks, we're going to get really uh, hardcore about doing everything we can to make church. Now, after last week, it was kind of hilarious because some people knew they couldn't be here this week. And so, you know, I'm getting all these, Mark, I can't be there. I'm going to be on a business trip. 
I'm not gone. I'm, I'm there. I just I want you to know. And okay, so all of that, and that's not what the whole point was. But we said the first thing was to prioritize church. And if that's kind of your deal, and you've already done that, and you say, man, I really try to gear, then take the next step, which is a small group. And, and a small group is where we're going to be engaged together, and we're going to take the things that we talk about in, no, excuse me, we're going to take the things that I talk about. You don't talk about anything really today. I talk, you get hopefully to listen, and, and then in a, in a circle, not in a row, you get to pull that apart and go, what did Mark say? I didn't understand him again. Help me figure this thing out. And you get to ask questions and go back and forth and really wrestle with the scriptures, which is awesome, okay? So we said, get into a small group. The third thing is read the book, Hole in Our Gospel. Read the book. Uh, World Vision has given us 280, right? 50, 80, something like that, of these, a lot, a bunch of books. And, uh, and they, they want to put them in your hand. It's, it's just because we believe in this series that we're doing, The Hole in Our Gospel. And so they gave them to us. And so I immediately had people just going, well, Mark, I, I, can't, I can't be in a small group. And they kind of shared some reasons with me. I just, quite honestly, hadn't thought through. I just didn't think about it. They shared some things. And it was like, yeah, that's kind of a drag. You're right. Okay. And so, but they were saying, can I still get the book? Can I read the book? And the answer, I want you to hear this is absolutely stop out at the, at the table as you're going towards the cafe at the end. There's stacks of these books out there and just pick one up. Uh, we would love, even if you're not in a small group, we would love for you to be reading along. And, uh, you know, Matt and Mary got into this this week because there was some disagreement in their marriage. We're okay though, right? You guys are good. Everything's fine. But they were trying to figure out how far are we supposed to be in the book? Well, you're not supposed to be anywhere in the book yet. This week, you're gonna, you wanna be from, you want to read the first three chapters prayerfully by next Sunday, okay? And that'll kind of keep you going with things. And this is going to parallel together. And that's going to be really, I mean, it's a great thing. So we said, read the book. The fourth thing is this, is take the challenge step. We're going to have challenge steps that help us to engage with uh, people who are marginalized or the poor. There's going to be some things that we're going to ask you to do. Like for one day, maybe go on a subsistence, subsistence diet for a day. And just feel like what people might feel. And we're going to do some different things. And we'll get to that as we move in. And then the, the fifth one was there's an action journal that you can either get or you can uh, go online and you can get it. Are, do, do you, are you lost? You, look, you, you know where you're going? Okay. You don't want any of this. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the next... <laughs> I don't know why I said that. This is another one. Get the emails. Okay. Um, so this next one is the next 42 days. You know, it's just a way that you could do a daily devotional along with us that will just keep you on a daily basis. You can also go online and you can get this online. Okay. I want you to understand this, though, is I don't, I don't want you to look at it linearly like I have to do this or I can't. Whatever you can be doing is going to build your understanding, and your heart in this. And that's what we're after. And so we're, we're looking, and today as we begin, uh, we're going to go at this. We're going to use every bit of creativity, you know, that, and, and we're going to go at this every way we can. And that's what I love about it. See, when I'm just doing a regular message on a Sunday, I kind of feel, when I, when I step up, every week is really important for me, and I, I kind of feel 
like I'm swinging for the fence. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I want to be, I just am that way. Um, but what's so cool to me as a pastor, when we're doing a campaign, and a campaign means our children's ministry is doing it. Our student ministries is doing it. You guys are doing this together. You're reading the book during the week. And they're going to cover some things that, in really deep ways that I just couldn't in my little piece of time. But when that happens, I don't feel like I have to swing for the fence. I don't feel like all we have is an hour, 20, hour, 30 minutes together on a Sunday morning once a week. I feel like... You guys are really engaged and you're diving in and you're, you're working this thing from every different angle. And if this were a baseball analogy, um, I mean, I, I don't feel like I'm hitting in the number four, the cleanup spot where you're going for the fence. I feel like Ichi, you know, who I love. I mean, I, I feel like Ichiro, man. You know, I, I'm the leadoff hitter and all I need to do is contact and get on base. And I'm just trying to get this ball rolling today. And then you're going to take some things this week in your small group. And they're going to expand it. Or in your reading, it's going to come alive in deeper ways. And so that's what's exciting to me. So stay with that. And, uh, and, and I wanted to just bring some clarity to that. Um, okay. Now, week one, hole in our gospel. And if you have your Bibles, you can pull them out. And you can actually open them. To the Gospel of Mark, in your notes, on your note page in that panel, it says Matthew. My bad. There, you thought I was infallible, didn't you? Well, there you go. Yeah, right. All right. Well, we are, uh, what we're going to do today is in this first week of really diving in, we're going to talk about the whole, what, what is the whole? And we're going to talk about it, the fact that there is a hole that's often missing in our gospel, in how we do things here. And it might be different than what Jesus meant from time to time. We'll find some things there. And what we believe as a church is when we see God doing something and we find ourselves doing a little different, we're, going to try, we're just going to do everything to get in alignment with his word. That's what it's about for us. We get in alignment with his word, with our lives. And so we're going to look at a situation, but before we do, you know, we're talking about these holes, and uh, how many of you noticed holes that shouldn't necessarily be there all over the place today? Some of you did. Some of you are going, what? Okay. Did anybody notice the hole on the screen over here, that irritating black hole over there? Yeah, it kind of bugged you a little, didn't it? Still bugs you. I'm sorry, Don. Uh, you're going to have to deal with that because it's not going to get fixed. This look over there. Just, just look over there. Any other one? Who else saw some holes? Anywhere. What, what, a chair. There is a chair missing in the And you were wondering, like, what's up with this? You know, am I sitting in a weird spot? Yes, you are. But there's, I mean, we did, what else? Yeah, yeah. And the programs that you have in your hand, there's a hole in there. Okay. Any other ones? Yeah. The picture's got a hole. The chair right here has a hole. Uh, one of your chairs is about to break loose and you're going to go flying. <laughs> Be ready. Just, just saying. Get ready for that. Um, what? Any other ones? The hole. Yeah, in the in Ryan's cup. What else? Lamp. It's got a hole. Yeah, there's all kinds of them, and we're we're going in every different direction. Did anybody notice that out there were a couple of muffins out there that had holes in them? Anybody take one of those? Way to go. You're awesome. Just go for it. We kind of want everybody's like, no. Because holes in certain things, you know, it's not good. We're, we, I told you that KidsBridge, everybody's involved in this. Uh, one of the really great things we're doing in KidsBridge, this morning, 
the kids that are there, they're letting them take scissors and cut holes in their shirts. It's cool. And so they've got this awesome new back-to-school shirt, and they're going to come out, and they're going to have all these holes in them, and they're going to always remember the hole in our gospel. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's what I think. That's right, yeah. You know, uh, I want you to understand that in, in ways like this, and I know kind of at a church like this, you're always kind of wondering because it kind of feels a little dangerous because you don't ever know where it's going to come up next. Look, the reality is not only are there holes in places in our lives physically that, that are really difficult to deal with. But there are, in fact, holes in our very soul. There are holes because perhaps we're not in obedience to the word of God or their souls. And we're going to look at a person today that had one of those. They had this gap, and it was almost like when they would get filled, it would just leak. And they were going through all the steps, but it just didn't seem to work. And it's found, like I said earlier, in Mark chapter 10. And we're going to talk about it on two levels. And we're going to come back also next week on this. That sometimes the holes are within us and sometimes the holes are in what we believe about God. Okay, what we believe about God. So here we go. This is, a, this is a, a, a true account. This is not a story that Jesus made up or a parable. This is something that actually happened. If you uh, grew up in church world, it was, it's called the rich young ruler. It's not in, it doesn't say rich young ruler in the Bible, but in your margin it might or, or in that little spot in the paragraph. It's, it's a story that I grew up with. Uh, your kids are going through it today and they're, they're also walking through it. But it says this, and I'm going to kind of just stop and break as we, as we move through this passage, but it says in verse 17 of Mark 10, as Jesus started on his way, I want you to kind of just mark that and remember that statement, and I'll come back to it. But as he started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. This is this guy, this rich young ruler. Now at this point, I really like this guy. I like him because he's an emotional worshiper, okay? And I'm an emotional worshiper. Sometimes I have to work really hard to not be because if I'm coming up at the end of a, of a time of worship and I've been crying, you know, because the Lord's dealing, or I just, I'm just standing there and I'm just, you know, you know those times where it just feels palpable? I mean, it's like the love of God is so in the room and I'm like got snot, you know, my nose. And I just, so I have to sit there sometimes and, and really work to not do that. I have to think of like cleaning up my dog mess at home or I have to think of things that are just ungod because I don't want to, I, I just don't want to come unwound. That's why I love worshiping off, you know, sometimes in my car. And I'll put in a worship CD and I'll do that. Or when I'm in the Word, there are times when the Word becomes so alive to me, it just explodes. And this guy seemed to have that. This guy, this guy, I mean, he get, and, and it says that he ran to him. He ran up to Jesus, which is kind of a little weird thing if you knew the culture. Because in Jewish and in Hebrew culture, they didn't do a lot of running. 
It's a very layback kind of thing, and they would move very methodically, and it's slowly, you know, slowly. You, running was not only just a sense of desperation in the run, but they, it was not a custom of that time. It's very much like if I told you, when was the last time outside of a tracksuit and seeing him, when was the last time you saw a president run? They don't tend to do that. They walk. And they're very, well, this guy, who is, we'll find out in, in the account in just a moment, is rich, and he's young, but he runs to Jesus. He's literally running after Jesus, and I love that. And he falls at his feet, and he's like that emotional, emo worshiper guy, you know? And he's right there, and he's, and he's just good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? And while I like this guy, one of the reasons that I really kind of like him is because, in fact, he knew that there was something wrong. He knew that while he was doing a lot of different things, as we'll see in a moment, there still was something missing. And maybe you're that person today. You're going, Mark, I'm really trying, and I, and I mean, I want to do everything that the Bible says, and I'm trying to live my life, and that's awesome, and that's really great, and we're going to look at that in just a moment, but there's still that piece that's, that's there's just something wrong here. And so, he says to him, good teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus uh, responds, in this situation, and he says this, why do you call me good? And I mean, this guy must have gone, oh, you know, geez, I've heard about you. I've heard about you. That somebody asked you a simple question and you come back with something over here like out of right field. That, that, I mean, I want to know how do I make sure I get to heaven? He's this business kind of guy. It nets out. You do this and this and this. You, you save for your retirement. I mean, life, it plays out here. And I want to, even though I, I, I feel this emotion and, I, and I've got this thing, I want to make sure that's solidified so I can let go of that heaven thing. And I'm just asking you a simple question. How do I inherit eternal life? And you say, why do you call me good? I called you good teacher. What it? And Jesus answered, no one is good. And he's talking about it, by the way. Jesus is saying, no, when he uses the word good, it's like out of Genesis 1 where God created and he said, it is good. It meant perfect. It meant deity. They, they would understand this. He said, no one is good except God alone. And I put those three dots, but I kind of think in this, in this story that at that point, the Lord might have just let it pause. Dramatic pause. You know, uncomfortable pause. Like, why do you call me good? You would only call God good. I'm not saying no. I'm not. But you would only call. Let's establish this thing of what you're doing and who you're... Okay, so that gets established. And then he goes on. And he says, okay, let's answer your question. You know the commandments. And notice that. You know the commandments. Now, stop there for just a second. Jesus knew that this guy was about the show. I mean, he had the show. He's running after him. He falls at his feet. I'm looking at that going, woo, that's all. And Jesus is going... I mean, I know what's inside of you. You're just, you're doing all of these things, you know. You know the commandments. 
Thou shalt, you know, thou shalt not murder. You, know, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And teacher, he declared, all of these things, all these I have kept since I was a boy. See, here's what's happening. Jesus is, is dealing. He's seen something here in this young man. And he sees something that happens often in the church. There is no place that can put on a show like a church. I mean, I remember in my life growing up, I mean, I remember the most devastating fights of the week happened on the way to church in the car. I mean, they were just all but evil. I mean, people screaming and yelling and blah, blah. And we would pull into the parking lot. Everybody gets out of the car and smiles and praise the Lord. We're here. We've got our Bible, you know. And, and I think sometimes in the church, without even knowing it, we kind of figure out how this thing works. We, if you just give it enough time, you will figure out what are the little things that any church you go to, and every church is different. And you know what? Newbridge has its things that it does that you kind of go, oh, that's, I guess we do that here, you know? And you'll find that some people underline, and that means you're really spiritual in your Bible and you use colors, and oh, it's awesome, and... And some people, I don't touch my Bible. And they, you know. it, it's just, it, it, it's outward things sometimes. And I, I, I'm not even talking about that being this horribly bad thing because I underline like Craig, just, I, I, my Bible's a wreck because I write. And, but I think that can become something like just every other thing that becomes part of the show. And Jesus recognized that in this guy. And he said, I've kept all of these things. I mean, since I was a little kid, I grew up in church and I've done all these things. And he knew the system and he wanted Jesus to affirm because he's affirmed that he's got. So I want you to affirm that my situation as far as heaven goes is locked up and it's solid. But he had this hole that he's feeling because that that's what drove him to go see Jesus. Deep inside, he knew that there was something wrong. And here's the verse that I love. This is the verse that just wrecks me. I don't know why. <laughs> it's never really wrecked me before. I was reading this. It's just like Jesus looked at him and loved him. Be careful of that. Because some of us grew up singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible. And, and it became something we did so much that it, it kind of lost a little of the edge. And this week when I, I, I paused, and I, I, it, this verse just devastated me. Jesus looked at him. He didn't look at a future version of him. Many of you know this story, and you know that this story is not going to end real well in this account. It's not going to end real well. But Jesus looks at this guy and he says, it, it, it just says of him, it gives us this picture inside of Jesus that he looked at him and he looked deep into him and he loved him. He loved him. He looked past the show. He looked past what you know because he had all the things down and he was playing it all out and it all seemed to work and he had it laid out and he was kind of this lawyer kind of guy that, that just is very methodical and he said, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. Is it locked up? And, it's, and Jesus is like, he looked, but he loved him. 
Do you remember the day that Jesus looked at you and loved you? And maybe you don't, and I don't know, be honest with you, I don't know that I remember a day that he looked at me, but I, this verse, those last three words, he loved you. He didn't love a future version of you. And today, I want you to hear this with all of your heart right now. If you would please just open your heart up to this, that Jesus right now loves you. He loves you right where you are. He doesn't love you because, yeah, someday I'm gonna do more and more. I'm gonna get better. And then he loves you right now, right the way you are, unconditionally. And he will never love you more than he loves you right now. Yeah, okay. I just, I don't know. Maybe that's nobody else's battle, but it was my battle because I was one of those kids that was growing up going, not now, I've got too much to do, Lord. When I'm old, I'll give myself to you and we'll figure it out then, but right now, uh-uh. And I thought that somehow, maybe that would be okay with God. But it was in the middle of all that garbage that I was doing that the love of God penetrated the garbage. And he entered into, yeah. And this is what, this is what Jesus does with this guy. He loves him. And maybe you just came for this one statement. He does not love a future version of you today. He loves you. And that's what he did when he looked at this guy. And he loves him so much. Now listen to this. He loves this guy so much that he knows I can't leave you where you are right now. I'm going to have to penetrate all your wrong thinking. And all, even though you're trying really hard, I get that. But I, I'm going to have to penetrate that. And I'm going to have to go at this. And I'm going to have to break that apart. And, and I'm going to go right through to your brokenness. And here goes. And so he enters in because he loves him. And he says, one thing you lack there is a problem here that you lack. He said, go sell everything that you have and give to the poor. Give it, give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then he said, come and follow me. So go take everything you have, sell it off, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Now, I don't know why I've never quite figured it out before this week I just never looked at it this way. But what Jesus was really saying to this guy is, come and follow me. Be number 13. Be my disciple. I want you to be my disciple. I mean, I'm giving you a shot. And, and I mean, think about it. When he called Matthew, what did he say? Come on, follow me. Just, just join me right now. Leave your stuff. You got to leave the booth and let's go. I never just thought of it that way. What an opportunity this guy has. Can you imagine that? When you just look at his life, I think, who in the world would ever say that to anybody? Go, you, I mean, if somebody ever walked up, I've been doing ministry for a lot of years, if somebody ever walked up to me, and they have before, and just said, what do I have to do? I've never said, go sell everything you have, your house, everything, give it to the poor, and come, I, I don't even get that. When I read that, I, I was trying to read it, you know, unbiasedly, like, like for the first time. And I even thought, Jesus, how would you, you've never said that to anybody else. That's not even biblical. I mean, how do you, how, I mean, it is now because he, he put it in there. He did it. 
But I mean, that's not part of my theology about how you inherit eternal life. I would tell you, you need to do this or this. You know, you need to give your life to Christ. But I mean, he goes right to the core of this issue with this guy. He knew that there was something so deep within him that would keep him that he had to do surgery. He had to go hardcore at this. The other thing um, that I think about when I, when I read this, I, th- I think, who would do this? I mean, honestly, if I took any one of you, and I, after the service, not in front of everybody, because I'd be too much pressure, but if I just took you and I did the same thing, I said, you got to sell everything, give it all away, and go. Everything. Now, again, I'm going to talk about maybe people a little bit older in life, you know, that have got some stuff, okay? If you're a college student, you got nothing. Okay, come on. But if you own a home right now and you've been working at this, and, and I said that to you, you know? Remember when I said, remember that sentence? It started off and it said this, and Jesus started on his way. Do you know where he was going? He was going to Jerusalem to die. He knew what this was about. He knew that I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not willing to do. I'm going to do the very thing I'm calling you to do. I'm giving everything. Here's the other crazy thing that I never thought of in this story. They were all going together. So that means the other disciples were there. I wonder what happened. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say, so this is Mark. You just don't hang on too tightly to this. But when they were walking along and Jesus stopped and this interaction happened, he said, go sell everything and follow me. I wonder, did Peter go, remember? That's exactly what Jesus did with them, right? They're fishing. He says, come on, leave it. Let's go. Follow me. I wonder if Peter walked over to Matthew and sat down next to Matthew and said, hey, Matthew, remember when Jesus did that with you? And you were like pretty rich, dude, because you were a tax collector. You had lots of money. And remember he said, just let go of all of it and go. I mean, I think this is happening. James and John are going, yeah. And I think those guys are all sitting there going, come on, dude. Can't you see James going, John, any regrets at all? Hey, we left our stinky fishing boats, man. And what a ride this has been. Here's a crazy one. We don't even know the name of this guy. We don't even know the name. Why? Because that's kind of the end of the story as we know it. What an opportunity that was right in front of him. And he says, go, sell everything And at this, verse 22, at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. Too rich for my blood. It's too rich. Too much. And Jesus here is explaining this and he's saying, no, it's not, bud, listen, it's not about the show. and It's not about what you know. I wish I had something that rhymed with that. But, but, but it's, 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 about, it's about you engaging because you've got this thing down, but you're missing the whole thing right in the middle of your religion. You're missing it. James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, 
in his book, talks about this. And he has this whole chapter. In the first chapter of James, he talks all about faith and what it means to have faith. And he talks about faith and, and what we do. And he says, so many people, they're just talking it, but nobody's walking it. And it's like, what's going on here? And he's talking it. And at the end of chapter one, James says this. He says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, not in front of people, but Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Those are the two things that we are talking about in this series. Failing to let the world corrupt us and buy off on the world's games and what they say brings happiness. This is where this guy was. Jesus called him to join his ministry. I want you to be in it. Well, what's Jesus' ministry? Luke chapter 4, it talks all about that. It says that this, and this is in context. This is, this, you know, when Jesus got baptized, that was kind of his, the trumpet's going off that he's starting his public ministry. But this event was something in Luke 4 that announced, and he said, now, this is what my whole ministry is about. And here's what happened. He goes into the, he went into Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, the holy day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. They let him read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, because this is what they do. They read the word from the Old Testament, just like we're doing today. We're reading the word. And so they, he unrolls it, and he found the place where it was written. And get this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the year of Jubilee, the year when everything gets set right. I wish we had time to go into that, but we don't. We'll do some of that in small groups. But what happens here is this. We understand here that Jesus, he maps out what his ministry is really about. His ministry in three things is about this. Spiritual oppression, release from spiritual oppression. I think at Newbridge, we've worked really hard at this one. And I think, um, not, do we have it down? No, but, but, but we've gone hard after this one. About what it means to live free and how to find that freedom that we have in Christ. But I think the whole often in our gospel is this, is that this next piece where he says very clearly, I want you to meet physical needs. And we could take that very simply and make it spiritual. And it is, there is a spiritual component of meeting spiritual needs. That's what we're doing right now. We're meeting spiritual needs to, for food and to grow and those kinds of things. But there are physical needs that God calls us to meet. And the third thing is, he wants us to address social injustice. Injustice. We're really big when it comes to injustice spiritually here. We talk a lot about injustices that happen to people when they're young and we go after freedom and we go after healing. But I believe in this new season it would be a statement of such clarity that Jesus is saying this whole God, the whole God, W-H-O-L, the whole gospel is about physical needs, spiritual needs, and the social injustice in our world. And I know, I can hear it right now. You probably feel exactly what I felt all of these years, and that is just overwhelmed. Lord, when it comes to the injustice in this world, how do we do it? And we're gonna look at this. 
in these next few weeks. But we must understand it first, and we must realize, too, that our hearts are at play here. Or, and if they're not, what will happen is we'll become the rich young ruler. We will become just jumping through hoops. Well, I gave money to the poor. I stuck a couple of bucks in the box. Oh, yeah, I have a compassionate kid. I, I, I sponsor a kid every month. I, I, I you know, I, I serve down at First Baptist. All really great things, all important things, but all missing the mark the way this kid did. Totally missing the mark. So my question is this. Do we see the need and do we understand that this is the ministry of Jesus? And by the way, the next verse is so cool and I love this. It goes on and it says that then after that he rolls up the scroll, he gives it back because he's saying this in a weird way. He's not just reading Isaiah, but he's reading it in a way that it's like, this is me. I'm right here. And, and then he gives it back. At the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fastened on him. He goes over and he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today. And man, some of them went nuts. That's blasphemy. But he says, today, over 700 years after this was written, today it's being fulfilled. It's happening right now. In God's perfect timing, it's happening. And we need to understand that. This has always been there, Micah 6a. He's shown you what's good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly. That's justice. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And Jesus, he doesn't just talk about this, but he lives his life out. He says to this guy, go sell everything and, oh, give me a little bit of it because, you know, I got to feed my disciples. He does. He says, take all of this. Why? Because the heart of God is with the most marginalized. It's with the most forgotten. And he says, go give it to the poor. They need it more than I do. Go give it to them. And he says, this is my ministry. It's always been there. And we're going to see this again and again as, in fact, embedded into the very gospel itself. And I love John 14, 12. I've preached on this before, but I love it. It says this, very truly I tell you. This is Jesus speaking. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. There it is. You'll keep yourself free from this world and its grip. Remember those two things? And you will care. You will care for the widows, for the orphans. Widows and orphans? No, for the, for the hurting, for the lost, for the poor, for those who can't care for themselves. And then, and, and then he goes on, you will do the works that I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father for you. I'm going, I'm, I'm interceding. I'm gonna give you power to do these things. So I want you to go out. I want you to go out in your neighborhood. I want you to go in your home. I want you to go to your work. I want you to go out to your city and I want you to go to the farthest parts of the earth and I want you to baptize. I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've done. Make disciples out of them. Out of what? What do they do? Caring for people. Understanding their place with God. So my question in closing is this. Jesus looks at this guy and he says, this one thing you lack. This one thing you lack. So here's my question. What do you lack right now, if anything? Do you lack something in your life? Is there 
a hole in what you believe? Or is there also maybe a hole not in what you believe, but how it translates into your life? Is it something that's driven by your heart and by the heart of God in you? You will hear this statement as you read this book. Is that I want my heart to be broken by the things that break the heart of God. I want my heart to be broken for the things that break the heart of God. And if you pray that, good night, that's a dangerous prayer. Be careful if you pray that. It's God's heart in you. And it's what he wants to do in you. And it's what he wants to do in this church. And it makes us do crazy things that this world can't understand. It'll make us do really nutso things. But not out of earning our way and manipulating our way to heaven. But out of, oh God, you've put your heart in me. See, here's the thing. Jesus looked at this guy and he loved him. And he looks at you today and he loves you. And I hope and I pray that maybe the Holy Spirit took those words and did something inside of you when I said that. Not my words, but that he took those words. But I want you to know something. As much as he loved him and as much as he loves you, he loves those people that are dying every day. He loves them as much. And he stands back and he looks at us. And I don't want to go any farther than that. This is not about guilt. It is not about any of that. Until our heart is right, until the hole gets fixed in our heart, man, we, we, we can't go out and try to do these other things. And that's what this has been about. My, um, I shared this in the first service. My daughter, um, she, we talked yesterday, we Skyped, and um, she's away at school, and, and, and we Skyped, and, and she said, Dad, what are you preaching on? And I told her today what, what, what I was doing, and she got really excited. The Lord's just kind of put um, a heart for missions and stuff in, in other countries in her heart, and she was very excited. She said, but Dad, remember this, that when you, when you talk to people about this, they're gonna, it's really frustrating, Dad, if we don't have something to do because they're going to want to run out and go do. And after we stopped talking, that reverberated and, and it kept, kind of reverberating inside of me. And, I, and then I remembered a number of things. I remembered this passage where Jesus, it's, it, and I'm not trying to tell you, please listen to me. I'm not trying to say it's going to take us 700 years to fulfill this. this is, we don't have 700 years. And I believe today is the day and God says start to move. But I also believe this, that the Lord said before, remember when Jesus rose from the dead, he said, before you go out, I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit and he's going to come on you and he's going to give you power to go out. And I think part of the power that the Holy Spirit is going to give us is to do some surgery inside of our own hearts. And it's not going to be my words and it's not going to be guilt and it's not, I just, I am fighting you guys so much. You don't know how much I, I pray because these words that I read are so convicting and they're so, but I, they can be so miseasily turned and misunderstood. And so I'm going to give this to the Holy Spirit and trust this work to his hands. And I'd like you to stand. And you know it's the Holy Spirit because I'm ending early. Good night. <laughs> Only God. I want to pray for you. Uh, Lord, here's what I ask right now. I ask over this group of people right now that you would begin the process just like you did with this rich young ruler. 
that you would cut through all of our arguments, that you would cut through all of the things that we do to earn your approval and all of that, Lord, that you would set the record straight in our hearts that you love us. And God, where we're trying to do things that just aren't right, that you would just break that up inside of us. That you would speak to us through other people this week and speak to us in ways that weren't even listed, whether it's a book or any, you can speak other ways too, God. I pray that your words, whatever was from you today, would come back. It would come back through this week. I pray, Lord, for every group that is meeting this week, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would challenge them each, with the love of each other as it's displayed, Lord, through your love for us. Thank you for that, God. Now I just simply ask that you do your work over your people. We're not going to try to tie a bow on it and finish it all up today. I commit them to the work of your hand. And I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Listen, if you haven't, if you are interested in a group...